I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's go back to 2011 with Squidge. Let's look at the World Cup again with Squidge. Hola, e bienvenido a la retrospective de la Copa del Mundo del Rugby El Desquige. Esta en la biblioteca etwa estes estuse es rojo. And I failed GCSE Spanish. Donde um, esta la biblioteca me llamo tipo. Um, no, but your me llamo es... Uh, Willowin. Eh, me llamo Robbie a... Uh, uh, Squeege, um, which I typed into a translation, and the Spanish for squidge is squidge. Is it? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I just struggled to think of what my name might be in Spanish. So that's uh, Guillermo. Oh, is it? Oh, Guillermo of course it is. The, of course, Spanish it is. William. Yeah, I suppose so. What about Owen? Um, I think that's probably the same. Yeah, I think so. I doubt Owen's a very popular name in uh, South America slash Spain. So I, th- I think we're all right. Owen in Spanish. Oh, it is Eugenio. Eugenio. Guillermo Eugenio uh, would be my name if that was well, how names worked, but it's not. So my name remains the same. It, it is if you're Tongan who's just signed for a premiership team, because then oh, yeah, yeah. you really and have to have... anglicise your name. Yeah, that's true. Because famously, I mean, that guy who commented on the Leicester Tigers Facebook page when they signed Kenny Murray saying, guys, can we please sign uh, players with uh, easier to pronounce names? Like... They would then go, actually, that's a really good point. That would really help us in the Premiership if we had players with easy to pronounce names. Let's sign Zach Henry. It's why Dave Smith, the Nottingham lock, is the best rugby player on the planet. Yeah. There's not a Nottingham lock called Dave Smith, is there? There is. Is there? Yeah. Okay. I know, because I had him on um, Rugby Union Manager 3. Oh, yeah, Rugby Union Manager 3. That's all, all you talk about now. It's not, though. It genuinely is. It's not, though. It's about 80%. Okay, I don't think that's true. Okay. And I haven't played it in like two weeks. Oh. Uh, because I got to a big playoff against Bristol, and I realised like I can have loads of work go down the pan here if I lose this. <laughs> and then I just didn't play it, and I didn't pick it up since. I mean, that's it. Like, If Wales had reached the Rugby World Cup final in 2019, uh, yeah. I would rather the match just never play, because then Wales could never lose yeah. it. It's good, good exactly. logic. Like it's that that kind of sheer nerves that overtakes everything else. Yeah, in that. there should be like a captain's decision on whether or not the game goes ahead in the first place. It's like no, we'll call it a draw. However, we're not talking about the Rugby World Cup of 2019. We're not even talking about Wales playing in a Rugby World Cup. No, we're not. We're talking about the game before that in 2011. We're talking about New Zealand's 33-10 win over Los Pumas La Argentina. Yes, so this was quarterfinal four of four. So mm. isn't it mad we've already flown through the quarterfinals? I always feel like this yeah. is like the second one, but no, no, this is this is the last one. Um, so we only have what five games left now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, four, four. games, four, Inclu- five including this one. Yeah, that's mental to think. Um, 
so yeah, that's an exciting and also scary thought. Yeah. So, this game obviously was decided in the last quarter-finalist. They would play Australia in the semi-final at Eden Park the following week. We had two teams heading into it in very different places. Uh, two teams that were coming in from very different positions uh, with very, very different mindsets. And I think this is the moment that the pressure starts to get to New Zealand because they absolutely fly through the pool stage. They look like the best team in the tournament. They look like they're going to win the thing, you know. But then they get to this stage and suddenly the sheer amount of pressure, which is something I think is unlike anything that's ever faced any other rugby team in history, the amount of pressure on New Zealand in this tournament, that starts to show in their games and in their performances. It's pretty startling, isn't it? I mean, to be Mm. honest, it, it... goes both ways because Argentina had the pressure of facing the All Blacks. And yeah. not much else. It was the pressure of facing the All Blacks rather than specifically facing this team in front of them. At home the as pr- well. Yeah. New Zealand had the pressure of being the All Blacks instead. Yes. So it's one of those things that it almost didn't matter which 15 players they fielded. There was so much on them that they were always going to crumble at this point. I, spe- I mean, I say it doesn't matter. Obviously, having lost Dan Carter certainly didn't help. Yes. I believe did it was Israel Dag injured for this game or just not selected? Just not selected. Okay. Just okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it it becomes difficult for the, at this point for New Zealand because a pool with Tonga in the opening game. Mm-hmm. Who else do they have? Canada, Japan, and France. That's not going to be the most challenging pool for this All Blacks team. Safe to say, with respect to all of those teams, mm. but they pissed through the France game and like that was such an important thing because. That's what makes separated them and made them look like they're the best team in the tournament. Because like mm. we've seen all of the tier one teams batter, you know, the lower teams in the tournament at this point. But you're right; it was that point where they came up against France and they just were not bothered by them whatsoever. It was. That's what makes you say that. And after the kind of hoodoo put on them by 2007, after France knocking them out of the quarterfinals yeah. in 2007, uh, and that had been something very much talked about. And in between as well, France had gone down and beaten the All Blacks. In New Zealand, yeah. which is something that very few teams, particularly Northern Hemisphere teams, ever do. You know, no one would do it again until the Springboks. Um, you know, after France did it then, no one would do it until the Springboks in 2018 under yeah. Erasmus, who then went on to win a World Cup. So France were very much the bogey team. They were very much the team yeah. they really, really hated playing. Yeah. And so there was something similar to bring it back to the Razzie Erasmus team, to the the way South Africa took apart Japan in 2019 yeah of actually there's nothing this team can't do yeah you know of like there's a confidence in this is the team that really got under our skin the previous shaking that one main monkey that is firmly lodged on their back yeah and so there should have been a burst of confidence that came from that yeah instead that built into even more pressure of actually this team is as good as they could be yeah there's no there's absolutely no underdog fact yeah. They are the overdog in every situation they'll come up against. They haven't got a bogey team. They haven't got a team who beats them consistently. Yes, yeah. they lost the Springboks in the and Australia in the Rugby Championship, but they're playing second teams and they're focusing on the World Cup entirely. Yeah, this was an All Blacks team who had been the best team in the world for a couple of years, pretty much since you know since uh, South Africa started to drop in 2019, and had really been the best team in the world for over a decade. Yeah, absolutely. But had just fallen off twice. You know, once in a World Cup, once in that one year where the Springboks were brilliant under Peter de Villiers. Yeah, when you look at the three quarterfinals we've already looked at, mm. the coverage for, I mean, I don't know about uh, Maori TV, 
But mm-hmm. for the Wales Ireland game and the South Africa Australia game, the coverage mm-hmm. on both, at some point, one of the pundits said, oh, we'll just assume that New Zealand beat Argentina tomorrow slash today. Mm-hmm. So you're right, there's a weight of expectation as well as just the pressure of being the best team. And I yeah. feel like Argentina are, I mean, it's it's difficult to say that any of the, the, um, teams in the quarterfinals are worse than that England team that we roasted with yes. Lee from Blood and Mud but I think they were the underdogs going into this this uh, like as a general yes. thing going into the quarterfinals rather yeah. than just this one specifically uh, which there? made the All Blacks probably even more nervous they had that thing though the fact there were nine teams vying for a quarterfinal ten if you include Tonga but you know yeah uh, oh, actually no you had Samoa Samoa were a genuine contender. yes they were so you had nine and a half teams going yeah. for quarterfinals. No, sorry, yeah, ten teams. Let's say ten teams. Sure. But anyway, they were the one who had to overcome a the biggest ever contender in Scotland. So they yes. essentially played their quarterfinal. Yeah. And this to them was almost like a semi-final. You know, it yeah. was in the way we've seen in past World Cups that uh, that thing Warren Gatner said about teams playing their final a bit early. Yeah. And they played their final in the last pool game against Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. And you know. If if they manage to then come through and play their their extra final against the oh, All yeah, Blacks yeah. and win that, then fair enough. But it's difficult to then coast through against the Wallabies in the semi final, yeah. isn't it? So yeah, it it was a it was an uphill climb for humans. This Argentina team is. This seems to happen every other World Cup now that Argentina alternate, and you get in seasons rather than individual games of not knowing which Argentina team is going to turn up. Yeah. and there's two right. There's one that is just incredibly powerful and brutal and throws these magic offloads is impossible to take your eyes off and almost unstoppable to face. And then you have, you know, you saw them last year against the All Blacks. You saw them in 2015 in the World Cup. You saw them in 2007 in the World Cup. And then you also have another team that is brutal, that is physical, that throws these magic offloads, but just can't score points. That is great to watch, but doesn't score any points whatsoever. And also gives away lots of penalties. Yeah, that's the other factor. Of that's them, the other you know. catch. They they will give away more penalties than they will score points. Yes. As I think they did in this game. Should we look at the and teams in this game? Yeah. So, should we start with the All Blacks? Yeah. So, uh, the big story, I think, is Mood Molina plays his 100th cap and with it his last cap. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty he... gutting, isn't it? And yeah. Weirdly, because I suppose he was carrying a bit of an injury, which is why he, mm. the only pool game he played was against Canada. Uh, and even then, he didn't play the full thing because they decided to just wrap him up and try and get him fit for the quarterfinal, which is very understandable. But as he was doing the hacker and singing the anthem and everything, there was a glint in his eye which suggested he knew it was his last game, which is unusual because obviously it's not the same as, we'll come on to this, but there's a point where Mario Ledesma goes off uh, yes. and he knows it's his last time he's playing for, the Argent- yeah. play for Argentina because they're losing the game. But Mills Molina, it's not because he thinks they're going to lose the game, but... There is something of this might be my last time playing for the All Blacks about him. Yeah, I think he's he's clearly very emotional. And he then, in the press conference after the game, I don't know if you remember this. No. Where he broke down and started crying in the press oh, conference. Oh, you know what this rings about? Because uh, he got ruled out immediately. You know, they immediately yeah. he's not going to be fit in the next two weeks to play again. Yeah. And he started crying. He said, it's just occurred to me that I would now forever be referred to as former All Black. Yeah, and soon I'll be playing for Connaught and Zebra. Exactly, and are we playing in bloody the US League before MLR? Yeah, pro rugby. Of. Pro rugby. There we are. He'll end up playing for San Diego Gladiators yeah. or whatever they were, Dirt Crushers or whatever they were called. Yeah, yeah. 
in pro rugby. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. That is the big story. Obviously, by this point, Dan Carter is out for the tournament. So Colin Slade starting at 10. Aaron yeah. Cruden comes in on the bench, which was, again, a big story. At this point, they doubted his kicking abilities. So they were kind of hoping they wouldn't have to turn to him. Yeah. I say Toei Arva remains his place on the bench as well because he covers everywhere in the back line. I mean, I was going to say more or less, but now literally looking at him yes. playing in France. The other big story is, of course, Sonny Bill playing on the wing. So yes. they'd gotten rid of Richard Kahui altogether as well. Mm. And Sonny Bill put out a position on the left wing because he'd been tried a couple of times there in the pool games off the bench. That surprised me because I... I looked at the teams before it started, but for some reason that didn't clock, that mm. didn't click in. Until I remembered this actually, like, in the, the week. second time he got the ball that I saw him like, wait a second, that's Sonny Bill on the wing. Yeah, I, could, I, could, I remembered this announcement and thinking like that was a really bizarre mm. decision because he played there against Japan, wasn't it? Canada. Yeah, Japan, yeah. yeah. He came off the bench against Japan, started against Canada. Yeah, and uh, he, he spent most of his time in the midfield in that game anyway, mm. so it didn't make much of an impact. But it was interesting because I think they hadn't quite completely figured out where how to use him best, you know? No. And there's a couple of times, like there's there's one point where Marnonu feeds him and he has a bit of a run down the wing, and he, he instinctively is almost running into touch. And then you you start to think, oh no, the All Blacks have fluffed it; they're about to go into touch. Then you remember it's Sonny Bell and he flings this wild <laughs> offload to keep the ball in play. He's a it's a mad thing having him on the wing, isn't it? It's a weird combination of skill set and usage of them. Yeah, because he's not he's not international winger quick, no. but his ability to keep the ball alive when he's about to go into touch. Makes him a great winger. And he's a great runner, isn't he? Like, he's got yeah. good feet, hasn't he? I think towards the end of his career, he couldn't have played on the wing, you know, because he got no. a lot... Oh, absolutely He, he felt a lot bigger and a lot more powerful. And it was... As uh, I've said this before on the podcast, I think that I... Nowadays, I think of Sonny Bill and I think of him for his ball carrying rather than his offloading. Mm. Which, obviously, offloading is traditionally what he is known for in both rugby union and league. But... Uh, at this at this point in 2011, he was very much just the offloading midfielder. But Nonu yeah. and Smith were too good a combination to to break up, so he had to just go somewhere else on the wing. And fullback would be a bit too specialist for him. Yeah, well, Sonny Bill is going. I think I've said this before. He is the biggest star rugby news produced in the last ten years, last fifteen years. Um, in the everyone will refer to a backdoor flick as a Sonny Bill. Yes, and that will continue long after he's retired. Yeah. And actually, I think there's an interesting thing. When he went away and played league again and won the World Cup in that and then came back and did it again, yeah. there's two very distinct different Sonny Bill Williamses. They say by the end, it was his ball carrying and his ability. It's just all-round game awareness that went with that. Yeah, uh, He was a very different player in 2019 to here. Yes. And this is kind of proto-Sonny Bill. This is the Sonny Bill people are referring to when they say, oh, Sonny Bill, when yeah. doesn't offload. Yeah. Um, whereas that Sonny Bill Williams is a different player. And that's a sign of a great player, is that ability to to evolve your game and change your game as you get older. Yeah. In the way Brian O'Driscoll from 2001 was a very different player to Brian O'Driscoll from 2013. Yes, for sure. Let's look at the, the Pumas team, why don't we? Yeah, yeah. I okay. think let's start at the front row and then move backwards because it makes the most sense towards the start of the pack, if you know what, what I'm mm. saying. So, Roncero, Ledesma, Figaggio. Great front row. Caritza, yep. Albacete. Brilliant second row. That's a really tough pack to play against. Obviously, Lobe had pulled out injured before this game. Hmm. Uh, I think during the week he'd picked up an injury. So Leonardo Senatore, who was quite inexperienced at this point, came in at number eight to go alongside Leguizamon and Cabejo. Hmm. Can I make a point about Senatore? Yes. And it might be a slight spoiler for what happens later, but I don't remember Senatore ever being quick. Yeah. Well, no, but he's I... rapid, because I think of him as being this very trundling number eight. Who oh, no, I think of him as, as being makes... quite athletic, because... 
He's one of those. He, but no, he's a he's a second row in the. He's not quick, but he's a good liner operator. He's a good technician and so on. Sure. But there's a couple of times in this game where he finds himself in space and he can move. Yeah, I I, I just I just had to look up because there was a player called something like. Miguel de Acheval or something like that who I seemed to remember was the eight who did that run that Senatoro does later in this game that we're going to talk about but I I don't know where I've made him up or something I've I've made up a name of an Argentine number eight who is actually Leonardo Senatore sorry is there a real player called Miguel Acheval? yeah yeah I've just searched the name on Google and rugby does come up as a thing so he must be an Argentine number eight. So who is he? Who is Miguel Acheval? Have a look. He's he's a, I think a former Argentine number eight, but I don't think he actually went to this world. How Cup. are you spelling Acheval? I t- I don't remember. Okay, because I'm not getting anything. When okay, I type that in, as never I mind. It. Never mind. No, I'm just I'm fascinated because the first thing that comes up when I take type Miguel Acheval in is Cabal sex video watch and download. Well, maybe that's Leonardo so, Senatore's secret that's... alias. Do you think that was what was going on? Was the lobby <laughs> only and certain Miguel people knew? Also, both pulled out to form a porn video, and instead, in comes Senatore, the only Argentine player who doesn't have a penis, so can't film that porn. Video. I reckon Leonardo Senatore is this porn star that has come up. Do you think? I Leonardo think he's Senatore got, is a porn star. He's got a secret alias. Because we've we've had very different takes on Senatore, and you think he's a porn star, and I think he doesn't have a dick. You think he's <laughs> so you think he's slow. Two... I think he's fast. Look, I want to start both rumors and find out which gets back to him first, <laughs> which one he hears first and gets most outraged about. Yeah. He has to do a video on ESPN Scrum Argentina saying, "Hey, have a dick." That is really offensive. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Uh, and I apologise thoroughly for my entire life. Yeah. Um, I would like to just go Leonardo on the record Senatore. and say Leonardo Senatore is in fact a rugby player from Argentina. Yeah, that's that's my time. Thank you. Thank you for that, that comprehensive update. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know who... If we have any Argentine listeners who remember at number eight, whose name was something like Miguel de Acheval, please do get in touch. I like the idea that you just completely made up a player. Who may or may not be Leonardo <laughs> yeah, Senatore. Who might not be real. You've just got, well, yeah. you know, it's, he's called Miguel Acheval now. Yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So let's move to the backs, why don't we? Yes, let's. So, so the... They do, they do the thing that. Why do they do? So the player over this podcast who has got the most man of the match nominations across the full pool stage 
is Lucas Gonzalez and Rossino. Yeah. So obvious, Santiago Falan, the Argentina coach, thinks, let's leave him on the bench. And let's start instead the guy who has the second most dick of the day nominations in his position in Martin Rodriguez Gorichaga. I mean, on the plus side, he didn't start Ampfinger at fullback for Argentina. If he had a done, he had started him and Miguel Acheval. So he starts one player who can't catch and another who isn't real. That would have been quite the turn up. Yeah. So they have they go with Fernandez at ten and Contepomi at twelve. So that that axis mm-hmm. has worked before. Uh, Bosch plays outside centre over Gonzalo Tiazzi, who they've left out, um, and then the Guja and Camacho combination on the wings. Um, it's you know it's, it's pretty effective, but they do have Amorosino and Imoff both on the bench. A lot um, of pace on the bench. Yeah, it's it's a pretty exciting bench. So they've gone triple front rowers and then one to cover the whole back five. So they've got Alejandro mm. Campos is covering the entire back five. Bear in mind, Cabello and Senatore can both play in the second row if need be. But yeah, they've got Celso and Dayerts are on the bench, which is a beefy you know set of reserves. Mm. And then yeah, uh, Amrosino and Imoff. So it's very much we've got big forwards on the bench and fast backs on the bench. Yeah, it's very much boiling down what is that role's core job. Yeah. Let's really go hard on that, put that yeah. on the bench. Yeah. So we can go into the game now, why don't we? Actually, no, I want to I want to start before the game, the national anthems. Okay. So New Zealand sing their anthem, as you say, Mills Molina looks emotional, but otherwise the team are kind of, you know, just go through the motions, bloody, bloody, blah. What, what a fine national anthem God Defend New Zealand is. What yeah. an okay national anthem that is. And then the Argentine anthem starts, and they have that long instrumental bit. Yeah. And at the end of the instrumental bit, we cut to Augustin Creevy, who is very close to bawling his eyes out. I love He that. looks like he's really, really trying not to cry. Yeah. And then we cut away to like a flag or the singer or something, uh, and we cut back, and pretty much the entire Argentine team have started crying. Yeah. Like they've all followed his lead they've all followed Creevy's lead as they would for a number of years after this and I just like what was Santiago Falan's team talk like before the game if the entire team are crying the moment they hear their anthem like has he has he laid something in there I don't know like there's a number of options here. Either he just gave this like like Ian McGeekin style, incredibly emotional speech where he broke down and started crying about the nature of playing for your country, and you know some days are special, and someday you'll meet these All Blacks in the street, and you'll you'll just have a look between you, and that look will say you lost by twenty three points. Or you know like did he did he line all their dogs up and tell them you know we're going to shoot your dogs if you lose this game. Because uh, that would explain a few performances, I think, in here. I don't know. It's entirely possible they're all crying because he just said, lads, Martin Rodriguez is starting. Yeah. Um, and they all got incredibly emotional as a response. But it then... The game then kicks off, and there's a few shots of them. You know, like, there's a shot of Cabello, the flanker, as the hacker's going on, where he looks baffled but angry at the whole thing. Uh, and then as the game's kicking off, there's a few shots of the Argentines, and they're still, like, wiping tears away. They're still really, really emotional. I like. I just I, like the thought that just like at the bottom of a ruck, there's just like Julian Fraser Cabello or something. She made a tackle and she's like, "Oh, that's it's just it's been a long week. It's been a long week." But it, that's the vibe you're getting, you know. Of like they're not sweating, but they are weeping over everyone. And so then the the game kicks off, and New Zealand look really, really nervous. 
And everything they're doing is kind of fraught with nerves and their kicks aren't accurate and their passes aren't accurate. And they don't look like they've got kind of the, the, the courage of their own convictions. They're struggling a bit to get anything to link together. And then Argentina kick off and they're weeping. They still look really emotional a few minutes into the game. And it's like watching a rugby match between anxiety and depression. You know, and it's only because because anxiety takes its medication first at half time that they go on to win it. Like that first half is two teams who were too taken over by the occasion for anything to actually happen. I would just say that I wouldn't treat depression with flea pick onto Pomi. Oh god, no. No, he is the only Argentine player who doesn't look emotional because he's too yeah. put up his own ego. Yeah. Um The so, other thing, right, I don't know which which commentary did you watch? Uh Georgian. Oh, okay. Lalo. Yeah. <laughs> you just gave the entire commentary. Uh, I watched it with Spanish commentary, and they exclusively referred to Contopomi as Felipe. Ah, nice. He is Lovely. only Felipe. Yeah. Because he is their mate. I'm pretty sure that happened in. Uh, there's the commentary of the Amarcino try against Scotland, and they do say mm. Felipe to Bosch. Amarcino, 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 try, 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 try. Like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've just exactly recreated it. But yeah, so this yeah. game starts, the All Blacks have a little bit of possession in their own 22, and they manage to slightly work it out. At one point, Nanu puts in a nice little kick in behind, uh, a little grubber kick, to sort of, and it's one of those kicks where it doesn't look that good, but it's actually mm. really smart in the context of the full 80 minutes, because it does send a message to those wingers about, you know, how shallow they yeah, can stand yeah. in the defensive line. So that worked out pretty decently. And then Argentina decide to combat this by basically piling all 15 players into the ruck, in fact, let's give them some slack. 13 players into the ruck. Mm. And the two people that aren't are Contopomi and then one generic player who is, I guess, chasing a kick that he's about to put in. But he kicks it to the right-hand side of the field where genuinely they've not set up a single person to chase. And that mm. is baffling at this point. Uh, that at some point somebody would just kick for the sake of it uh, and go Imagine to someone space that now. Honestly, yeah. you get crucified. Yeah. And Sonny Bill has acres of space to play in and eventually they realise shit lads we're going to have to pair it over there mm. and they, they do sprint to get there but it's horrific they had to get there in the first place and Tony Bill manages to cut inside and set up a bit of space for Corey Jane to just go straight through the middle and at that point you're starting to think my god it's like Argentina are going to do a proper exercise of shitting the bed here aren't they yeah and there's a few points actually just to pick up on that I know this is a few years before the one three three one and so on makes yeah. it really regimented but Argentina's strategy at ruck time was pretty atrocious because they it was almost like in the 70s when you expected every forward to get to every ruck. You yeah. know, when they were almost like a set piece yeah. where you just piled all of your forwards in and they all battled each other. Yeah. There's one ruck in particular I noted down where Argentina put six of their eight forwards in and the other two stand off to the side and the All Blacks still manage to get a boot and disrupt the ball from that ruck with six of their forwards. The ball spills loose. One of those two forwards that isn't in the ruck carries in and they get turned over and there's a penalty given to the All Blacks because McCall gets over it. Right. And it's just, what's the point? You know, like, what are you doing? At and this the... point, right? At, mm. And at the level I play at, right, at amateur level, which is, you know, quite a long way off premiership standard, we'll say, yes. or, or international standard. Um, if you've got three, if you've got more than three people in a rug, you get bollocked for it because yeah. you're and not needing not... that rug because that's exactly. not an efficient use of... You know, the, the 15 players you have in the park. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, unless it's being really, really disrupted, there's no point to go in. Yeah. There's no point doing that. But Argentina piles six forwards into one row. And there's a few times like that. There must have been some there's a few times where you're. Going on there. There's a few times where you're kind of going, 
wow, I can't wait for the five second rule to come in. So yes. referees can't enforce that. But it does genuinely speak to me. You know how on YouTube there's that thing where you can press the right hand to toggle and it uh, it yes. skips five seconds? I did that at a couple of rucks just because I knew what was happening and I didn't yeah. miss anything. I just missed people staring at the ball before it was played. Yeah. And you're right, like that five Both second rule well. has Both made teams. a big difference. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I know that people don't always obey it, but people at least are always aware of it. Um, yeah. So you don't have it stuck at the bottom of a ruck for 20 seconds, you know, because that there, yeah. happened quite a lot. There are some that genuinely last upwards of 20 seconds. Yeah. Uh, and there's quite a few that go on for 10, 15. Yeah. So the first set piece, mm. Argentina completely battered the All Blacks at scrum time. Um, yeah. And they win a penalty from it. And at this point, you're starting to think, oh, can they launch an attack? No, is the answer. They either spoil the line out or they get robbed in midfield somewhere, something like that. There's a really fun point where Sonny Bill gets his first run down the wing and then he realises how little time and space he has and he puts in a little grubber kick. Gonzalo Camacho feels it and within half a second he's just like, cheers for this and just boots it downfield and just <laughs> lands it in the All Blacks 22. Uh, and Sonny Bill's just kind of like, oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Um, I thought it was quite fun. You know, Camacho's I am a, a winger. winger. This is my position. I shall show you how it is done. Yeah. If you kick to me here and don't put pressure on me, I will put pressure on you instead. Uh, this is the last time we get to see him play, so I want to mention, I have loved watching Gonzalo Camacho again. Yeah. I yeah. love that guy. Yeah. It's a shame we're not going to do a 2012 Rugby Championship retrospective, uh, because that was when he was on the form of his life, and just yeah. consistently like making a fool of Brian Habana and the Julian Zavera, the best wingers in the world. But yeah, no, he's he was he great. he was such a specific type of winger, that now when someone like him comes along, I think, oh, that's a Camacho-style winger. Yeah. In someone who works really really hard and that's their defining feature i feel like and he's somewhat know the wing inside out someone like gonzalo Camacho somewhat paved the way for a player like jack noll to come through yeah like uh, jack now josh adams etc are all yeah. variants on the camacho type that's it that's it it's the stuff like corin betty is brilliant mm. at it you know sniffing around rucks and stuff and not just towards the try line as well yeah it's taking yeah. pressure off other forwards yeah i mean the game's come a long way and I know Gonzalo Camacho is hardly a player who revolutionised wing play, but... But I think he perfected a certain kind... Well, no, he, he set a template for a certain kind of wing play yeah. that has since been better perfected by the likes of Nowlan Adams, of players who are technically excellent and then add something through their work rate. Because he wasn't a world-class player at any point, was Camacho. No. But that's not to detract from him. He was very, very streetwise and very good at what he did. Yes. Speaking very streetwise and very good at what they do... I had enormous, enormous fun watching uh, Julio Farreas Caballo again in this game. Yes. Who is a much forgotten, much underrated player he... because he kind of felt in between great Argentina teams. Yeah. In, he was their sixth during the period between 2007 and 2015. And he was um, often so overshadowed by Lobe and Leguizamon, right? Yeah. So they often... Leguizamon, as he's referred to yes. in this commentary as well. Yeah. And you're right, he kind of came just before Matera started to be a thing as well. So yeah. he was often overshadowed. He did end up moving to the second row as well, where he shone mm. slightly less. But then again, no, I say that. I think he was equally good in both positions. Yeah. I think I he think looked so. physically a little bit more like a second row. Just he was so beefy that it was quite difficult to yeah, lift yeah. him at lineouts. But no, he's a seriously good player. And like, he was one of those that, what you were just saying about how easy it was to win rucks back in the day. One of those players, he's like a wind-up toy. You can just say to him like, you know what, Julio, just work really hard today and just hit a lot of things. And he'll go, all right. Yeah. He's, he was, I thought he had a very, very good game in this, this game. Yeah. 
there's a moment, I think my favourite moment is about 15 minutes in or something, 10, mm. 15 minutes in, where <laughs> one of the, the All Blacks and a strike runner right down his channel uh, off second phase. Yeah. And I think whoever it is, I think it's Corey Jane, uh, is, you know, hitting an inside line. And I think he's going, oh, I'm going to hit a gap. I'm going to outpace this forward. And uh, Kabatashio just takes one step to the left, picks him up and hits him so hard that he knocks his own scrum cap off. No! Like, his, he hits him so hard, he sends Jane flying backwards. And he has to get up and he has to pull his, like, the strap on his scrum cap to come off. And it's starting to fall off his head and he has to, like, take the whole that's thing off. That's incredible. Put it back on, I didn't wrap see it back that. Round. That's brilliant. That's, that's testament to him. That's, like, as a, he's proper, like, hard man. Uh, that's what you want this, from, a, from a six. He's, ironically, the hard man of this Argentina team, despite having Ledesma and Roncero <laughs> in it. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's a proper brute. He is. There's um, one point again around that point where uh, I've just got written in my notes. Rodriguez doesn't fuck up, so he managed to get no. the ball and not drop it, not send it flying. Not he has two good touches in this game. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, although you know, there's there are still bad parts of the good touches. Oh yeah, and like yeah, we'll get yeah, to yeah absolutely. Both yeah. Of, both of them have massive downsides. Yeah, but at least you saw some value in them. Sure, sure. I mean, look, I don't think I made it through a game last time without getting dick of the day. So who uh, knows what's hey, on the horizon? I will say as well. I don't know if you're in agreement here, but the dick of the day feels very, very obvious for this match. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We, you know we what? both know who it's going to be. Should we write down on a piece of paper who we think the other person's giving dick of the day to? Sure, sure. Because uh, <laughs> I know who it is. Yeah, I'm just going to do that now. I have written it down. I, I'm going to deliberately not mention the incident until no, no. we get to full time. Uh, okay, okay. That's, this is a fun game. I like this. <laughs> And listeners at home, regardless of whether or not you've seen the match, please write down on a sheet of paper who you think we're please each going to give Dick teams. of the Day. Yeah. yeah. And look, if anyone sends it in and nails this, then fair play. Fair play. But th- please don't cheat and skip to the end and then go back, because that's not fun. No, it's Just not the same, fucking it? pointless. It's not the same. Why would you not do that? Same. People always do that, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. I don't like it. I don't like it. You know what else I, I don't like? Box kicks that go out on the full, uh, and Pure Weaver did one, and I've just written hashtag crumbling, because it yeah. felt like uh, Argentina was just like laughing at it in his face at that point. I mean, Weaver had a really mixed bag of a game, didn't he? He did, didn't he? But this was the this was the game where his reputation and the narrative changed. Yeah! He was, he was put in for Jimmy Cowan, and they went, he is the guy who is composed and sensible, and he will get us through no matter which 12-year-old we have to play at fly half. Yeah. And... He put a couple of kicks out in the fall. He threw a couple of really shoddy passes. He once took about 40 seconds at a ruck where he was just staring at the ball trying to work out what to go on. Like it was some kind of existential dilemma. And yet occasionally he'd have moments of brilliance coming out. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a there's two cross some, kicks he puts in. Yes. Yeah. He's lost some really difficult kicks of goal for yeah. a, a not massively experienced goal kick. I know he had done it a few times before, but like, it's not like... He, you know, last last week we spoke about Warnay Stain. You know, mm. it's not like he was of that caliber, and he slots us some really difficult shots. So it was it was a really mixed, real mixed bag of a game from him. A really interesting performance from him. Yeah, that I don't know why this was the game where the narrative turned to be Piri Wee right. our savior. Yeah, and you know, those those people turning up to the final in, in Piri Wee Trust t-shirts and so on. And I don't know why you're getting that from this guy's performance here. Yeah. There is far more of Pizza Hut London Irish Pure Weepoo than I thought there was in this game. <laughs> Not even London Irish, mate. It's London Welsh. London Welsh. Sorry, London Welsh. Yeah. Because he went to be inept rather than a twat. Yeah. Um, 
So, so yeah. So, so yeah. So he puts a box kick out in the fall. This is also just after there, there's a moment where the Argentine commentators get really, really excited. All right. Where there's a uh, Weepu throws a pass straight at Colin Slade's balls. <laughs> Slade's like Slade has a moment of like almost considering batting it away, then tries to catch it, then drops it, like throws it through his legs. Um, the ball spills <laughs> through ball. his legs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it is Cabajo then gets a big boot to it takes Slade out in the process and Bosch comes charging in after it and in the end I think it's Corey Jane beats him to it um, but the Argentine com- the, the co-commentator just yells Go Marcello! Go Marcello! Oh, yes. and in the background I mean I've never seen Marcello Bosch run that fast before I know that no. he did have a turn of pace on him but it, it felt somewhat unnatural because he was running out a couple of the All Blacks and I think Corey Jane managed to save it eventually and she's mm. kind of like Lads, we need to do a little bit better than this. Um, so yeah, no fair play. Um, yeah, he's the bounce of the ball away from scoring under the post. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I was kind of thinking like if he had him off chasing that, then that would be a try. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's pretty unlucky that it wasn't a Connor Trainer moment, as we call it. Yes, absolutely. It would it would be Connor Trainer. Um, he, he would have then scored. scored half a try against a university team the following week. Yeah, exactly. Um, so after that, we put kick out in the fall. Argentina have a bit of an attacking set, and then mm-hmm. Santiago Fernandez, under quite a lot of pressure, goes for yeah. a really ambitious drop goal attempt and starts celebrating like mad. He he absolutely shanks it. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. About post height, the yeah. entire way from it getting off the ground. Yeah, um, it, it's pretty lateral. It, yeah, yeah, and it looks horrible when you watch yeah. it live. Uh, and then, yeah, he start. He initially calls it, and he sort of puts his arm in the air, like, "Oh, I did it! I he did it!" He celebrates like mad. Yeah, and then the moment afterwards, when everyone's look, he, he initially does like, a, like almost like a cheeky, "Oh, did it!" You know, like he just nutmegs someone. And then moments later, when he sees the referee's going to have to TMO it, he starts really celebrating yeah. to try and convince him. What I love about this, right, is that Nigel Owens looks at the ball. He's refereeing the game. Mm. Nigel looks at the ball going beneath the crossbar and just goes like, "Oh, it's missed." And then he looks over, sees Fernandez is celebrating like mental, and then just kind of goes, are you, "Are you certain it's gone over?" And he says, he asks Fernandez, "Like, are you certain mm. it's gone over?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, it's gone over." And he's like, "Okay, we'll need to check this with the TMO because like he was so Nigel had seen that he'd missed it, mm. but was so convinced by." how mental Fernandez was going celebrating this that he checked it and it's just like yeah, it's beneath the crossbar lads <laughs> yeah. what do you want me to do it reminds me I think I mentioned this on a previous episode an incident that happened in the championship about 10 years ago where the referee missed the drop the referee missed the drop goal going over and he turned the opposition fullback and the opposition fullback shook his head and kicked the ball away to clear it yeah and he gave it as no drop goal because no one saw it except for the fullback from the opposition team who obviously didn't want it to go through but there's there's kind of the opposite energy to that yeah to Santi Fernandez really, really wanted that drop kick to go over, and it does and not. It was just, and it's like, I'll tell you what, Santi, I love your passion, but if you wanted that drop kick to go over, you should have kicked it a little bit better. Yeah, like, k- kick it Kick it higher. harder. Yeah, That's higher. my advice to you, Santiago Fernandez. Yeah, yeah. and this is why we're why hosting a podcast rather than playing. Every drop goal attempt in this World Cup is so ugly. I mean, to be fair, he did come from Paul A. Or was it I Paul know, but... Yeah. You look at like Ogara Sexton's drop goals. Yeah. The like Priestland's attempts. They're all so ugly. Every even Mornay Stain's attempt was quite ugly in yeah. the last game. Yeah. No, yeah. No one can hit an aesthetically pleasing drop goal in this World Cup. Yeah. I would say that the Mornay Stain one was the, the best one we've had. 
uh, yeah, personally. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, that felt satisfying to watch, but yeah, there's another book where another, speaking of Piruipu and his uh, up and down game, he goes for a kick, a, a box kick that's half charged down, and then there's a moment yes. where everybody suddenly remembers that the if it's touched in flight, you're all put on side law, and as I, I can't remember who it is, catches the ball, Kim Milamu. Yeah, so the ball's fed inside to Mialamu, who's currently remembering whether or not he's onside, and he ends up mm. dropping it on like a potential try-scoring opportunity uh, because he's—you can tell—he's visibly confused by his positioning. Mm. Yeah, there's this because it doesn't happen very often. I think it happened even less often back then. Yeah, because teams weren't as well drilled in minutiae. Mm. Yeah, there is something of well, this would be bullshit if it scores. So do we yeah. score it? Yeah. But yeah, no, off the back of that, the All Blacks get downfield. I've got written down here, the Argentinians should be defending so much better than this. Because there's points, right? And I honestly do not get how it took us until probably about 2014, 15 for defence coaches to figure this out. But Mm. if somebody has a ruck set up and they've got two players on on, uh, the blind side, so they've got two attackers, the defender has just one, and it's taking a while for the, the ball to come out the ruck, you don't have to stick with that one defender. You can actually fold around and get multiple stuff yeah. there. And Argentina seems to just think, right, this is how we're set for this ruck uh, in defence, rather than going, no, let's work hard and make sure we've got a bit of an advantage so we can get off the line. It was really confusing to watch. There's another thing of watching that first half, right? The 2021 Italy team would have battered that all-black side the way they were playing. I was thinking this. I, You know what? Exactly that thought came to my head whilst watching yeah. this. Because the all-black shape was it- okay. Yeah, it was fine. The Argentina um, shape was shite. Yes. But the All Black shape was okay. Uh, and, you know, they did their thing to get, to get downfield. But, frankly, there, weren't, there wasn't much deception. Uh, you know, like yeah. the, the, the blocking dummy run or whatever either weren't too convincing or weren't there. So yeah. it would be much easier to ru- make a good defensive read, rush up, smash somebody behind the game yeah. line. Uh, whereas, at this point, I don't know what it is because I'm not an international defence coach. But mm. teams... Or rather players. Well, you're not. No, apparently not. Why no. am I doing this podcast with you? Because I coach Long Eaton under 14s uh, in Oh, that's it. Sorry, that's the same level. Yeah, same as yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, players would much more easily accept being drawn in to mm. make a tackle. And like, I mean, Chris Harris, I, I wrote that piece about it. You spoke, spoke about it in your video as well. That a player like him uh, never accepts being drawn in until the hit is made. Uh, yes. And he will sprint to the next tackler and the next one and the next one. And he will cover four or five men in one attack, uh, one phase even. That never seemed to happen here. And I don't quite get it. You know, it's like what you had to defend that dummy runner rather than you defend on his outside shoulder. And if it doesn't go to him, you defend the guy afterwards and help you, yeah. your mate out outside. That just didn't seem to happen here. I don't get it. There's every chance that when we do the 2019 retrospective in 2039, that we'll look back on it and go... God, that was unbelievably shite. Yeah, we probably will. But, yeah, most likely. But I feel like the margins for error are going to get smaller and smaller with each, every few years. Yeah. But there's something in particular bothering about Argentina of, and it's a point I know we've both made in the past, but do you remember back 10 years ago when people thought you either had to drift or blitz or you had to do this one or the exactly other? This is exactly my point. Like, what are you doing? Why like, is Argentina only drifting? Yeah. Put pressure on them as well. Don't wait for them to just do like. And it's not like the way Scotland defend, where they stand off a little bit and they wait for you to make your decision and they hit you, you know? Like, it's it's not that, that soaking up pressure thing. 
they're not putting any pressure on at all. They're waiting on the game line and sort of just waiting slightly. I can remember There's... a point in 2016 where mm. my coach sort of told us, uh, you're going to call on first phase whether you're going to drift or blitz. If you drift, mm. you come up a little bit and then then you drift. Yeah. And I at, at that point, I kind of thought, oh, wait. We don't have we, we as a team don't have to either adopt a blitz defense or yeah a drift defense. You know we don't have to just have one. We can just change it on whatever phase depending on what's happening. And mind blowing. But the the other the other part of it though was they weren't actually putting pressure on Argentina no. on the All Blacks. No, they weren't. It wasn't like you know the, obviously the Andy Farrell defense that became infamous for it, where they would really really blitz up, but they do it dia- you know in a kind of whilst drifting. Yeah that now roughly everyone has adopted the version of it. Yes. Know? Everyone's either adopted the Andy Farrell defense or the uh, Jacques Nienaber defense. Yes. Um, which is just an inversion of it. It's just sure. outside in rubbing yeah. inside out. Yeah. And as I say, just Italy playing a shit version of the Springbok defense would have absolutely destroyed this all-black team. Yeah. They would have been marched back 20 meters in every phase. Yeah. They would have been constantly cycling backwards and they're... Italian attack in the Six Nations was better than the All Blacks' defense yeah. has been in this, particularly in that first half. The All Blacks put it yes. back a bit in the second half. Yeah, yeah. But that first half, I reckon, Italy, the twenty twenty one Italy team would have built like a thirty point lead. Yeah, I mean, the one saving grace of what would have helped the All Blacks in this hypothetical yeah. scenario is Nonowin Smith. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, yeah. You yeah. know, Marco Zanon wouldn't have always been able to make dominant shots on those two. No, Top, Conrad Smith is very good. Conrad Smith's good. So one of my favorite moments of this game is the thing gets called back for a forward pass. Oh yes, Conrad's on the Evan overlap. I love this. And, yeah, do you want to explain it then? So wanna... they have a few. They have a few offloads. So like Kieran Reed throws this really nice one-handed one. I think Woodcock throws one out the back, and then it ends up with Conrad Smith having a run down just next to the wing, and he has Corey Jane outside him, and the, he runs into the twenty-two, and then realizes yeah. the referee's called him back for forward gone. pass. Yeah. yeah, the whistle's gone. At which point, he throws this mad comedy dummy to Corey Jane, as though he's going to step the fullback and run under the post. And then, just out of sheer frustration, just grubber kicks the ball, but like he absolutely boats it. He miles. He looks ang- like there's an irony to it, but he looks angry. Yeah, he looks he's like pissing he about in a way that. that. Like, yeah. yeah. And like he has a very distinctive dummy, just Conrad Smith. Like he always has yes. both hands on, very firmly on the ball, and it's but always a very realistic looking it, pass. And yeah. then he dummies it. Yeah, he doesn't half-ass a dummy, does Conrad Smith? No, it's he always half-ass just... anything. No, exactly. Except for his law degree, apparently. Yeah, or his law career, I guess, according oh, yeah. to Jamie Wall when he was on the podcast. Yeah. So, anyway, Conrad Smith. There is a point where the All Blacks are building this attack. They get into the Argentina mm-hmm. twenty-two, and then. It's not looking amazing, but it looks, you know, they're doing perfectly fine. As I said, their shape's, their shape's perfectly mm. fine. And then Conrad Smith times the pass absolutely perfectly when it looks like he's about to run into a gap. And then he, he offloads it wide. And then Owen Franks ruins it. <laughs> they manage to eventually send Kieran Reed into the corner, but he is in touch. Uh, well, there's so a lovely wraparound by Marnonu. Yes, there is. He's the most unlikely man to run a wraparound. Yeah. Like, especially at this point when he is far more woody, you know? Yeah. He's far stockier than he would be in 2015 yeah. where he was big but he sure. he kind of he didn't have the kind of heft when he yeah. ran of like you can feel the pitch shaking beneath him still sure. yeah. and he's running this loop in this sex and style and the whole way you think this is not going to work you think he's just going in motion at first then you think he's not going to get a second pass away and yet he does because he's incredible yeah not long after this there's another point where no you, you skipped over the kieran Reed thing Oh yeah, he gets in the point to touch. Yeah, yeah I mean, so I mean, Frank gives looks, some time to go across. It looks good live. Yeah, uh, and then we cut up to the TMO, 
And the commentators in Spanish, Downsla Argentina, say at first, uh, and read, yes, try, because it looks good. And then, just as the ball is about to go down, his foot hits the touchline. And yeah. both of them in unison shout, No! How convincing. It's, it's enormously satisfying. Yeah. And the TMO chalks off right away. Yeah. I've never seen a more surprising TMO decision be so clean cut. I mean, there's the one not long after it where um, Piri Reaper puts in this cross kick for Colin Slade, who's still on the wing. And on the first thing you go, okay, I don't think that's a try, but it's worth checking on the TMO anyway. But Slade's entire body and the ball end up in touch uh, when yes. you look at the reverse angle. Uh, and like he's nowhere near uh, scoring it's that try. It's a weird thing, them running twice a move where they put the winger, no, the fly off on the wing for a cross yeah. kick. It is, isn't it? But, I mean, I guess Slade is a practice winger, so... Sure. In well, a way, it makes sense, but also doesn't. They ran it with Cruden as well. Yeah. Would they have ran it with Carter? No. No. Thank you for that conference. Would they have Maybe. ran it with Stephen Donner at the time to practice it because he wasn't wide-baiting? We'll get there. We'll get there. It's a good question, actually, of where is Stephen Donner at this moment in time? I think, I think, because we'll, I think in... This would feel like an irrelevant question... 24 hours before this game. Yeah, I mean, to but, be fair, on the other, you know, 40-odd episodes of this podcast, we haven't done the section on where is Stephen Donald at this point. But, so the All Blacks are 6 nil up. There's a point where Contapomi's had a shot at goal from about seven miles he away. properly fiddums it. Yeah, and like misses he, by quite a long And way. it's, uh, oh, for God's sake, you're doing this again. You're yeah. still, it's like, really? We're still doing. We're still doing this. Yeah. We got to the quarterfinals and we're still having yeah, shots at goal from forty meters in the like, corner. Pull be happy, guys. The only thing that happened, the only thing that's changed, is Contapomi went. Well, Rodriguez missed all of those, so I'll take this one myself. Yeah. I, as a man with a shorter kicking range, will take this one on myself. My favourite thing is then, like, after he misses that one, the next one, they just give it to Bosch and he fucking nails it. That's it! Like, I, the end of the half. I have my, like, that's the biggest section of my notes. Like, I used up the rest of my page on that. I could not believe it. I have written, again, with several question marks and exclamation marks, like, in huge lettering. This time, Bosch when goes they, from halfway. Why? When they I went had. for the goal, yeah, just like, again... And just like, why are they? Why are they doing this? Then, oh my god! Finally, shoot Rodriguez. I just put, oh, fair play. Yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't expect. Like, never have I expected a, a kick to go over less, and it yeah. has done it. Same. I couldn't believe it. I lost my mind and seeing that. We've seen Marcelo Bosch convert those loads of times from halfway. Yeah, but it's Argentina from coming graduated from Pool B of the World Cup in 2011. Like. Nah, that's not happening. I, I, I genuinely blew my mind to see that kick go over. Especially from the corner, from 50, on the halfway line, in the corner, this Argentina team who kicked something like 28% of their goals, I think, over this World Cup. Yeah. And they've been constantly going for shots from Milton Keynes trying to get it over the post in Auckland. And then, we're, then, then Bosch goes, this is what you're missing. I've been here the whole time, guys. Right. So That's the, his only shot of the tournament. This has been hap- This has happened. And the whole time they've been letting Rodriguez do it. Marta Rodriguez, a man who couldn't kick the ball from five metres. Like, I don't... I, but the, they had Bosch in the team. 
Bosch started, or at least came off the bench. In most of those games, he doesn't kick. This is his first shot at goal of the tournament. And he nails it from the I corner just, from 50 metres out. I just picture him jogging back. I mean, not even jogging back to his half. He was already in his half when he slotted yeah. the kick. But I'm jogging back to his, into his 22 for the kickoff. And then just turning to Rodriguez and just kind of giving him a look. And Rodriguez just going, yeah, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> my bad about the England game and the Georgia game and the Romania game, the Scotland Can game. Can you imagine how Rodriguez was feeling watching that kick go over? I'm just like, oh yeah, I look like a rat dick now, he's, don't I? He's never wanted his team to get three points less. <laughs> yeah, genuinely. Honestly, like, I mean, I know that we've both written down, I won't see whether or not it is Rodriguez, mm. but a potential dick of the day, but that would be justified. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fact that because someone made the, I know Sam Lana gave uh, Contabomi man of the match for making Rodriguez go for those shots yes but the point was Marcelo Bosch played the entire second half in that game yeah he could have and most of the first he half could have yeah he, like he came on quite early on yeah. I remember <laughs> he could have kicked those goals for that game we had that they had that option and seeing as all Argentina seemed to want to do was kick they thought we're going to win this World Cup by kicking goals from long range when they were missing every shot from long range the difficulty was Martin Rodriguez was saying yes I will try and take a shot from the A52 sure whatever but the difference was Marcelo Bosch had been practising kicking goals from the A52 (laughs) because he played for Saracens so he got more practice to just stand on the road and just Honk balls away. Staggering, man. Anyway, it's, so... It's an kn- incred- there's another moment uh, just on Marcelo Bosch. Yes. Where he gets a penalty in his own 22 and he tries to thunder twat it into the All Blacks 22. And I, I love, love the sheer audacity of it. Of him going, I am going to do the greatest clearance kick of all time. And he, he obviously doesn't make touch. Yeah. But I love He's him about going, 15 yards from touch oh, yeah. at one point. I love that Corey Jane is stood on the touchline thinking like, yeah, I'm going to bat this in field if it comes this far. And then she's kind of like, oh, wait, I'm not even the nearest man to the ball at this point. Yeah. I love Bosch's sheer audacity. Of it would have been very easy to just aim for halfway. You know, it would have been a really good outcome from inside your own, solid inside your own 22. Yeah. But instead he goes, no, I'm going to create a try-scoring opportunity. We're going to score from a five-meter great line fun. out of this. Yeah, great just, fun. Why wasn't Marcelo Bosch captain? Yeah, he should have been. Then he could do the feed and vibes, you know? Yeah. That would be so much more fun, yeah. I think he should come out retirement and captain the Pumas now. Abs- abs- absolutely. So, uh, we're probably going to find out who's racist now, but... Sh- Next up, the try. So, mm. uh, Leonardo Santatore is is that is his name, and um, we we won't speak of his uh, alias anymore. Uh, Miguel Leonardo Santatore makes a break off the back of a scrum, and it's as you say, he's rapid. You know the thing it reminds me of. So he crab side was a bit off the back of the rug, yeah, and then Kieran Reed steps in to try and tackle him. And he properly just steps him. It's a bit like Liam Williams stepping Kieran Reed. Yeah, Reed has a moment of like, oh, he's done oh, me fair there. play. Yeah, like he's, he's absolutely done me there. Yeah. And then <laughs> Senatori goes this incredibly ambitious pass over the top to Contopomi. Yes. Where he do, it's a proper like basketball style or netball style pass. And he makes it so the scrum is pretty much just inside the All Blacks half. Yes. Uh, yeah, and he gets up to about the twenty-two when he goes for the pass yeah. to Contopomi, and it goes behind Contopomi, but. This is one of the greatest pieces of skill in the entire mm. tournament. That Contopomi sort of juggles it with his forearm and then punches the ball round to Marcelo Bosch. All, all goes backwards. It's all perfectly mm. clean. But he made it look like a really fluent pass. But he, he juggles it with his forearm and then punches it with his fist towards Bosch. Who it's then incredible. wraps around and keeps the ball alive. And then 
in comes Martin Rodriguez from fullback. Yeah. And you know what? He has a reasonable touch. He's competent. Considering the ones that have come previously, I mean, it doesn't really stand up. Considering Senatore's break, followed by Contepomi's phenomenal moment of skill, yeah. followed by Bosch Bosch. perfectly drawing his man and yeah. timing it and giving a perfect pass to him. Yeah. Uh, Contepomi, no, sorry, Rodriguez, then throws a dummy. Uh, he he should have thrown a dummy, He doesn't throw a dummy. Yeah. He, he had one man in front of him. He had another man he outside, and I think it's a Guja. Yeah. And he thinks, he doesn't even dummy it. He doesn't even dummy it. No. I was wrong there. He just goes and tries to fade the on the outside and score this yeah. wonderful like seven style try. No, 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 mate, you're getting tackled, and he does. So the Argentinians set the Argentinians set up a phase, and then it is Cabello himself who drives over, uh, sort of stood just over the ball, and that thing that sometimes gets uh, picked up for offside, but this one wasn't, mm. and he trundles over from being a part of the ruck, and it's a great score. It's yeah. one of those where like they thought out the box and they played at such good pace. And again, the great piece of skill from Contopomi, like that was always going to lead to a try from there on, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's it's brilliant. Senatore's break is excellent. And then the All Blacks kind of, when they crowd around on Contopomi and he does that, you kind of have to go, fair play, you deserve five yeah. points for, yeah. for executing in that style. So the All, Bla- the All Blacks go 7-6 down. So Argentina yeah, are leading. Yeah, just time. So there's, there's about 35 minutes, I think it's about 33 minutes to try scored. Yeah. Uh, and it continues for a bit into the towards the end of the half yeah and then and then wouldn't you know it the big... you know what i said about argentina and how they have that habit in every other world cup of not scoring many points and giving away a lot of penalties yeah. they scored 10 points in this game they gave away 10 penalties in this game and they give away a succession very very soon after each other yeah. and you even kick two of them to go in ahead 12 yeah. 7 at half time despite yeah. Ar- despite being a really level game like it's a proper game yeah. for quite a while and Argentina having scored the one try having had the one sharpest moment of the game yeah and for all the, the bad stuff was said about Argentina for that try they did deserve to be in the game you know I think they, no I think they did I think they yeah. did like it's very easy to criticize them but it's they had, them, to be fair they and they also you know if they'd just been a bit more patient and they hadn't been taking shots from the M4 all the sure. time uh, yeah and then, of course, just before half time, there is the moment where Colin Slade goes down injured. He he does yes. his hamstring whilst kicking the ball, and on comes Aaron Cruden. So and he is... went down injured previously in the game. Yeah, uh, he looked bad, but they kept him on. Tried, to, yeah, tried. And to then play they on. cut over a couple of times to Aaron Cruden warming up. Yeah, and then right at the end of the half, they on those go, little ladders. Yes, they go. No, he can't continue. We're going to make need to make two phone calls here. One yes. to the fourth official to bring on Aaron Cruden. And the other to someone who may or may not be white baiting. So, and this was immediate. This wasn't even after the game. This was immediately. This is as soon as Slade did his hamstring. Graham Henry gets on the phone. Stephen Donald is white baiting in the Waikato River, and he doesn't get a lot of signal out there. Why would you? No. Why would you get signal in the Waikato River? Look, that's why you want to head the Waikato River, because when you white bait in, you don't want to be in bait from anyone else. Exactly. You want to be left alone with your thoughts. Exactly. Those thoughts about nothing but fish and maybe ballet. Yeah, exactly. And then he comes back and sees he's got a missed call from Graham Henry and thinks, what does that guy want? He's like, yeah, I'm, I I saw that guy on the TV. He seemed like a pretty old dude. Has he, has he seen me white baiting? Does he, does he want to buy some fish? Is he that might what he's want to for? buy some fish. He wants to buy some fish. He and so, tips. Steve Donald decides 
going to phone him back just in case it is a business inquiry. Phones him up and says, hello, this is Stephen Dold speaking. Uh, do you want to buy fish? And then Graham Henry goes, no, nah, mate, it's Graham Henry. And Stephen Dold goes, OK, do you want to buy some fish? He goes, no, you fit for next week? He goes, yeah, I can go white baiting with you next week if you want. Yeah, that's fine. No, need a fly off. OK, OK, what for? World Cup, same final. My Graham Henry impression is getting considerably worse as time goes on. No, it's very good. It's very good. Please continue. And so, Stephen Donald joins the All Black squad. Not going to be relevant, though, because he's not going to get on. He's not going to play. He's not going to score any points. No, but I do think it provides a really satisfying, like, finale towards a potential film script idea. Yeah, yeah. Great comeback story, isn't it, from that time where he was shit in an All Black jersey? Yeah, where yeah. he once didn't put a kick out on the full. Yeah, yeah, because you remember the, that because the, the clock wasn't quite dead and he was still in his own dead ball line. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and he kicked the ball. Yeah, and he kicked like the ball. Five seconds to go. And it was kept yeah. in, and uh, James O'Connor scored the winning try and converted it from the touchline. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I remember like, that. that was. Uh, I think that'd be a really good starting point for a film. Yeah, I, I, I I've been think thinking it be for a film. long time. Yeah, and I've been thinking of writing it. If this film is made, should we um should we do an episode where we cover that? I think that's a really good idea. What we should do is we should do it in 10 years' time yeah. when it's more relevant. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. Okay. Noted. So I'm glad we got an update on Stephen Donald. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm glad he's well. Yeah. And, and I hope he caught a big one. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. And I hope it was uh, Miguel Asherman's big one. Miguel de Anchovies. De Anchovies. Yeah. I'm, I, I hope it was his big one. Yeah. Anyway, the, the team's come back out for the second half. Uh, after Graham Henry's not giving him a team talk and instead phoned up a man who's white baiting, and Marcelo Bosch calls that pe- that amazing penalty, the staggering penalty we just spoke about. Unbelievable. But then they give away another penalty straight away and they go fifteen. You've also, down. there's also another moment right before that penalty, or not long before that penalty anyway, in which from the bottom of a ruck, Horatio Agusha tries to start a fight with Richie McCall. <laughs> Just like while McCall's lying on the floor, he grabs McCall, starts shoving his jersey, you know, getting all like shaking him about, like trying to be really, really violent whilst McCall's like prone and out of the game. And then Brad Thorne comes over and kind of like almost taps Agusa on the shoulder. And Agusa turns around and is like, no, I'll go home. It's okay. He then just immediately chickens out. Thorne grabs him as Agusa's trying to walk away, has a word, and then the two of them part and go separate ways. Yeah. No, I I do recall this now. I remember Brad Thorne sticking up for his mate, and he found it hilarious as well. Yeah, just like oh yeah, that man, that tiny little man trying to start Richard McCall. How dare! Uh, there's also just mentioned Brad Thorne uh, in the first half. There are twice where he drops a shoulder on someone's head and could have got would have oh, got a wow. red card these days. Oh. I noticed, um, but he gets away with both of them because you know 2011. Yeah, fair enough. So the next thing I've written down is that there's a point where Marnonu makes a great break and offloads to Aaron Cruden and then stays in support and takes another offload. And yes. that's the point where you start to think, okay, the All Blacks could actually score convincingly a try here. And their shape does begin to look a lot better from there on out. So I think there's a huge change that happens at halftime. Mm-hmm. Part is just they come out and they look far more composed and they've clearly settled a bit. Yeah. And they've had some time to get into the game. They've gone in ahead despite Argentina throwing everything they have at them. They know they're a fitter team. And they've probably just had a very calming team talk. Yeah. They've probably just had a bit like, we need to settle down, we're a bit nervous, we're a bit edgy. Yeah. We're clearly a better team than them because we're ahead despite them having more time. I don't think they were that worried about losing. But no. crumbling later down the line was still something that was probably in their minds. The 
the thing that really happens as they become karma is that one Mr. Richard McCaw really steps up. Yeah. And he has a couple of really big plays, doesn't he? Where he, he yeah. carried really well uh, and so it looked good on the ball. He wins two turnovers in the first five minutes of the second half. Yeah. And... Of he stopped. Uh, Leguizamon made that break and he just turned it over sh- from himself yeah. straight away. Yeah. And he obviously then doesn't get involved in that fight with Fagusha. Yeah. Um, he makes a couple of carries. He pops up in in support constantly and then he very almost scores a try. Yeah. And I genuinely think that other than obviously the try not being given, that it was a perfect half by Richie McCall. Yeah. I thought he was unbelievably good. No, he that. was well, no, believably good because, you know, he's like world player of the decade and all that. Sure, yeah. But, but I thought he was, to say the first half, he was on the pitch. You know, he, yeah. was, he wasn't bad, but he was, he was solid right. by yeah. his standards. The second half was as good as he's ever played. Yeah. Um, he was phenomenal. Yeah. The All Blacks end up off the back of this, making... Mm. A lot of, getting a lot of momentum into the yeah, yeah. Argentine 22. I just, I think that made Hilda such a game difference quite a lot. was yeah. their captain suddenly stepping up and being yeah. the best player on the pitch. And then not long afterwards, Fagajo ends up getting a yellow card and going to the bin. Yeah. And you start to feel like this is where the cracks are forming with Argentina. And like, yeah. this is them shitting the bed, you know? This is where the All Blacks will, will come through and be a much more composed team. So like Santi Fernandez is having to play nine. It's all over the place. Corey Jane makes a break not long after that. They, they get a penalty and they go 18-10 up. And they just look like nothing nothing can go wrong for them. Yeah, they really, really settle into it. And at 18-10, they kind of start to play a bit more like they did in the pool stage. Sure, like they settled yeah. a bit. Yeah. Uh, so they start throwing just calmly, all the kind of confident. wide balls. And there's a try then that Kieran Reid scores. Yes. Where Jerome Kaino throws a phenomenal ball that he would not have thrown in the first half. No. Yeah, uh, this all black team look a bit more settled and a bit more confident in their own ability. Yeah. And that's the difference between the twenty eleven team and the twenty fifteen team, is the twenty fifteen team would have thrown that at all times. Yeah. They would have gone, This ball is on, this ball, if it comes off, will be a try, and our pack are all skillful enough to throw that pass maybe eighty five percent of the time. Yeah. We're gonna throw it. Whereas this team are thinking, Well, what about the fifteen percent? Rodriguez flies up to try and intercept that pass from Kano hmm. to read. And boy, was that a stupid decision. I get that hitting Kieran Reid feels equally stupid, but yes. uh, he was never going to get that intercept. Granted, no, if he did, he, he might have gone the distance, for all we know. But then again, it's Rodriguez, so I don't trust him at all. But it, you're right, it is so perfectly weighted by Kano that it does tempt Rodriguez in. Yeah. And Reid takes it as he's sort of on an overs, like, outward arc, uh, yeah, and yeah. then dives in. And the All Blacks go 23-10 up, and you're thinking this is pretty convincing at this point. And I get there's something when you're eight points down in the World Cup quarterfinal, maybe you do go for the big play. Maybe you yeah. do go for the moment where, you know, if this comes off, I am the hero who Very gets true. back in the game. I don't blame him for going for that. No, you know, like in a way, uh, I, I get your point because yeah. you you defend this phase, for example, then you've got to work all the way back downfield, whereas you could potentially get there in one play, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. So it is one of those, it's a 14-point oh, play that he goes for, and it doesn't He absolutely would have run up to the 22, then booted it long. Yeah, long. sure. That's what would. he would have done, uh, because yeah. he's Martin Rodriguez. He, or he would have gone for a drop goal. This is, of course, not long after his other moment of competence, where he has the ball in yes. the pocket, dummies past a couple of people, and then makes a bit of a break. And then instead of passing to Aguja on his outside, who's screaming for the ball in space, mm. instead he just tries doing a weird little speculative kick uh, and yeah, ends up he, going to touch. I think because he was, he was stood in the pocket to clear the ball on his own 22 yeah. line. 
And he's clearly got that in his mind that what he's wanted to do is clear the ball. So when he beats two men, he isn't thinking, oh, this is turning into a try-scoring opportunity, which it was. Yeah. But as you say, if he, if he passed for Guja, Guja has no one in front of yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're obviously a fullback and other support, other players would have come yeah. across. But he'd but, have found some support, momentum, you know. Yeah, they at least would have got the ball into the 22. Instead, Rodriguez's brain is set to kick. Yeah. So he just goes to kick the moment he's got enough time to do it. And he just about gets it and it goes out on the fall. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like on um, like rugby challenge or something when you preset your ten is going to kick and it's, it doesn't yeah, let you exactly. overrule it. You know, yeah, it's yeah. one of those. It's hey, it's like on a rugby union manager free. Oh, uh, is it when yeah, uh, which I only talk about eighty percent of the time. Yeah, when there's an option that you can do to set for your ten to go for the drop goal and any time you're in the uh, okay. and it just does it every time. And sometimes, like, I've been a point behind at the end of a previous game, and then I've forgotten I left it on in the previous game, and I then started the next game, like, made a break, and instead of recycling the ball, my has gone for a drop goal and missed or something. Love that. Um, Love that. Playing so Rodriguez mode. It's great. Yeah, it's great yeah. tactics. Yeah. But if you celebrate it convincingly enough, they might check it. So <laughs> That's it. That's what I need to teach point. my team to do. Thank you. Course, yeah, I'll do that um, against Bristol when I eventually play that game. Yeah, of course. Uh, after this, Mario Ledesma, Aracena goes off for his final cap for the Pumas. Yes. Uh, and he does his little points to the sky, sort of says, cheers for the opportunity. Puma legend. And I know we've not done leaving parties for everybody in this. We'll probably do that in a, like a wrap up episode later mm. on for the, the quarterfinal exiters. But it was it was a really lovely moment as Creevy came on and took his place. It was like the passing of the armband, you know? Yes. And there's a really lovely moment. It made me really glad I watched it with Spanish commentary because the two commentators stop commentating as he goes off oh. and just applaud. And they just both clap him off, which was a lovely moment for the comedy. The Eden Park crowd were really accommodating as well. And like, yeah. you know, the, uh, it's happened before where people have accused New Zealand rugby fans of being quite ignorant to like lower down nations players. But clearly mm. they all knew and respected Ledesma as like, oh, yeah. this guy's been giving us a hard time for the last, you know, 10 years. Yeah. And yeah, fair play to Ledesma. You know, he, he went off and he, he had a great tournament as well. Mm. Uh, yeah. And that was a lovely moment, him going off. Yeah, absolutely. And they yeah, I say it got a proper reception, which is yeah. not always the case. Like I, yeah, the um, All Blacks fans loved into, it. Directly before watching this game today, I watched back the last time Scotland played the Springboks okay. in preparation for the video on the yeah. Lions attack and of so on. Uh, and there's a moment in the second half where they bring Chris Harris on, and this was back when Chris Harris did not have the reputation he has now yes. as a lion. And the announcer goes, and coming on is number twenty-three, Chris Harris. And he, the crowd goes, mm. okay. <laughs> yes. There's almost no reception. There's like a polite, yeah, well done. And then they move along. That blow. And that, that tickled me. Yeah. Uh, and especially because now that would be a very different reception. Of now course. that he is a lion and a deserved one and yes. a beloved cult hero best. within, yeah. you know, Scottish rugby in particular, but Gloucester. rugby in general. Yeah. Gloucester. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of inspired substitutions, Argentina bring on Ambrosino! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> like, why, why wasn't this guy left, starting? Left. Yeah. He, do, he does more good in his 12 minutes on the pitch than Rodriguez did in the full World Cup, and he misses fewer shots at goal. I love the bit. So, Ambrosino's first touch of the ball, the All Blacks kick it straight down his throat, and he's just like, <laughs> okay, lads. You're not aware of me. You don't know who I am, do you? And he just steps most You're of the squad. And he even decks Cabajo along the way. So like he decks his own man and like, then just steps around a few more people on the way. 
he has one tackle bust in this World Cup. He has he has bumped one person off, and it it's was the his, biggest man in his own his, squad. Yeah, not only his own teammate, it was the biggest, hardest man in his squad. He just ran into, bumped him over, kept going, and then managed to knock over Weepu as well. It's great. At that point, it was just kind of like, well, I don't care if the if the All Blacks are going to romp to victory in this game. I'm just glad Amrasina's had a little, a little bit yeah. of a good time. He then has another run later on in the game where he steps a couple of people and manages to surround someone yes. while they try to give the pass, yeah. uh, which is something that Rodriguez never would have done. And yeah. there's a third touch as well where I don't know what he did, but I've just got the word Amrosino, yee, written <laughs> nice. down. The other, of course, notable substitution is the All Blacks with about 10 minutes to go bring on Victor Vito for Richie McCaw. So they just decide, yeah. right, we're going to wrap him up and keep him fresh for the semi-final. Very smart move. And Vito plays very well off the bench. At the Well, you say wrap him up in Coltman Wall. They had to because he broke a rib in this game. Did he? Yeah. He then played on the rest of the tournament with a broken rib. I didn't know that. Or at least like a that. fractured rib. Yeah. Wow. He didn't know until after the game. Uh, and right. he then, the, like, they made a decision not to tell the public right. until after the World Cup. I didn't know that. That's incredible. Um, so he had a, so he yeah, had a would have been a massive rib. story, both and, Cora and Carter yeah. injured. Especially with the pressure they were heaping on the All Blacks, you know. It's like, oh, they're going to crumble now and their captain's so, injured. Like, I don't know to what extent the squad knew. I don't know and to also, what extent... David Pocock would have made the best of that, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. If he exactly. knew that he's obviously had bruised ribs. That's the other part of it, is you look at the teams they were coming up against. They had one of Thierry Dussetois, David yeah. Pocock, or Sam, Sam Wolverton. Yeah, Dan Idiot. Yeah, and all of those players that could really target yeah. McCall's ribs, if you let anyone know. Yeah. So I don't even know if the full all-back squad knew that he had right. a broken rib. Fair play, that's oh, a very smart call to, to yeah. leave that under wraps. Because if he's... If he went off in the semi-final, then so be it. They'd have had to suck it up and play with Vito yeah. playing seven in the final. But fair play to them. They, they smashed yeah. that. But yeah, Vito comes on. So pretty McCall, good yeah. impact. Yeah. And then the the sort of final act of the game was Corey Jane does this really nice offload to Kieran Reid, who then decides, you know what? We, we're going to... This is party time, boys. Running into mm. the Argentine 22 and does this one-handed pass to Brad Thorne, who just canters in. Yeah. And at that point, you think, okay, this team is going to saunter to the semi-final. Deserve to be very there. satisfying passes to watch. Aren't yeah, they? and they look so uber confident. I know at this point they're what like sixteen points up, but it yeah. does just feel like okay, this is how we're going to solidify that we've battered you rather than just narrowly squeaking past you. You know, it was a very like in the best way. It was a very cocky try. Yeah, yeah. And it was you're right. It's satisfying to watch, and it felt like this team deserves to be in the semi-final potentially yeah. even the final you know some people mean the second row on hand as well taking the great offload from the number eight you know yeah. showed that their attitude and their approach to the game which yeah. we hadn't seen in that first 50 minutes until they really settled into the game until they got eight points up yeah so i was just looking it up so it was richie mccall it was a foot injury not a rib injury okay sorry. but he had a suspected broken foot and right he it's a bit harder didn't. to target on a seven but still but still you can you can yeah put your studs he, in him you know yeah, he had hurt his rib in the pool stage, but it wasn't that serious. Okay. He then That's injured fair. his foot in this game, right. uh, and it probably, like under wow. normal circumstances, he wouldn't have played. Okay, it wasn't the public didn't find out, but it was then essentially leaked as a thing because he was then training in shoes rather than boots. Oh, interesting! And people wow. noticed that. Interesting. So I wonder if that leaked to the Australian camp at all. But yeah, yeah. So it was right. hidden. It wasn't known. But yeah, there was that. You know. That then there, they made a point of. There's a quote Richie McCall wrote in his autobiography. Um, I had to be careful to mask the worst effects of the injury, not just from the media. People constantly coming and going from the hotel, not to mention the team and the coaches. Right. So I don't think he told everyone anyone's had. The so maybe it was really. just they might have just told the team doctor and Graham Henry. They might be the only people who yeah. knew. 
Wow, that's interesting. It said he apparently got through the World Cup on painkillers, adrenaline and willpower. <laughs> Fair play to him. Yeah, as I say, Chad's suck it up. Yeah. Uh, respect to him for that. That shows the mark of the man. You know, that's, that's a world-class leader, Manchester, to do that and still win the World Cup and play as well as he did. So, fair play to him. Mm. Should we go man of the match and dick of the day now? <laughs> Shall we do it? Should we start a man of the match? Sure. build to our finale. So, first off, Marcelo Bosch was brilliant for Argentina. Marcelo I think Bosch he had a great game. Uh, and as you say, should have been captain. You know, he was yeah. a lot of fun. For me, I think Corey Jane had a good game. Jerome I wish Kano. they'd just given him like further and further out shots of goal to see until he missed. Like, yeah. they should have started giving him more and more difficult ones. Whenever they've got penalty in their own 22. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, Someone's got to bang a pint for everyone. He knocks over or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, they just keep going until he fails. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Corey Jane, Jerome Kano, as I say, both had great games. Mm. Mar Nonu was once again just exemplary. Like, he bust through everything. Excellent. His t- timing on passes was incredible. But for me, I think it was mainly solidified by the try near the end. But I think Kieran Reid was mm. phenomenal. I think that his ball carrying was second to none. I think that the way he reads the game, the way he tackles, the way that he carries uh, offloads uh, was, was fantastic. So Kieran Reid's my man of the match. Yeah, I thought Cabasio had a very, very good game. Yes, first he, did. Off. he did. I thought he was excellent. Um, mm. And as I say, a largely forgotten player, but I thought he played very, very well. Yeah, agreed. And I, I second Gary, I think he was, he was excellent. I also think Jerome Kano was very, very good yeah. and has been under-talked about in this tournament, but he yeah. has been one of the best players in this tournament so agreed. far. Mononu, as you mentioned. Conrad Smith, very, very solid. But for me, man of the match is the one and only Richie McCaw. Fair enough. Who I just... I, as I, said, I don't think... Any player could have done any more in that second half. You know, he like properly stood up, didn't he? Yeah. There's a point in which the All Blacks make a make a break, and he is right there, clearing out, having cleared out the previous ruck mm. on the result of it, and it just typified the sheer level of yeah. both work and just ability. If he's so effective at both clearouts, at both I breakdowns, he is decisive. What people associate McCall with, he did all of that in this game, didn't he? Yeah, like it was the most Richie McCall you could want from Richie McCall. Yeah. And, you know, I've always been quite publicly a Poker over McCall person. Me too. But I don't both. think there's... I don't think any flag could have any more in that second half than Richie McCall did. Tell you what, with Pocock and McCall's performances in the quarterfinals, that's a hell of a battle for the semi, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, We're me too. paying more attention now. Yeah. So, Dick of the Day. Should we hold Dick up our day. pieces of paper to should each we, other on should Zoom? Should we say it in union? Should we, okay. should we count down and say... Who we're each giving man of the match, and then we can go by if we call the, the other person. Yes. Gone. Sorry, dick of the day. And no, then... we'll guess each other's first. We'll, we'll say who this okay, is. Okay, who we who we think the other person's in. Okay, okay. Count, count us in. Three, two, one. Vagajo. Yeah. Yes! What a dick. So, <laughs> do you want to explain this? So, there's three moments. It's, it's a historic dick of the day performance here, boys. And girls. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Argentina scrambled really well and have got the ball back on their own try line. Yeah. Um, Vagasio himself has actually, you know, rescued the ball and rescued things a bit and not got yeah. the scrum five. Uh, they drive a few phases and they then set in the pocket to clear. Should be pretty regulation. There's not much pressure being put on um, on Fernandez, who's in the pocket. Yeah. Uh, except <laughs> Vagasio chucks the ball over his head and into touch. Like, it goes dead because he hit, chucks it that high. I actually think it was Bosch, who's taller than Fernandez. Oh, uh, really? Stood, it was stood in the pocket there. And he reaches up at full stretch. He even goal as well. jumps for the ball. And <laughs> yeah. it's gone above his head and into touch. And he's just like, oh, great. Cheers, lads. And, like, 
I had previously written down in my notes. Yeah, trying the best not to exit because they were shitting the bed yeah. there. And then, yeah, Vagajo just puts the nail on the head and just passes it over Bosch's head, uh, which is just an incredible... And I was just like, yeah, nobody else can do anything in this game that will overrule that. He then, quite final, like five man. minutes later, clearly quite ashamed of himself, is setting up to box kick. They've got like a, like a predecessor to the Caterpillar Rock. And as he's lining it up, he then shapes the box kick. He then goes, wait, no, because Brad Vaughn comes through to put some pressure on it. And he passes the ball to Aguja, who has started to chase the Oh, kick. yes. And so is in front of him. Yeah. And he throws the pass like two meters forward. When yeah. he, he, he could have just kicked the ball. Like he had enough time to kick the ball. And yeah. Aguja had started chasing the kick already. And she just throws it to him in front of him. It's like, no, there's and a reason then, for pass law. And then just as... Just as he started to settle down, you get Simbins and then hauled off. And I fell for him because it's like the most nailed on dick of the day performance yeah. imaginable. It was a proper, it was a full house, wasn't it? You know, yeah. that, that yellow card. And when he had his head bandaged up after doing probably something else, it probably put his head between Brad Thorne's knees or something. And it was just like, oh, mate, you've, sorry to say it, mate, but, but you've had a shock. <laughs> You've also got, when his scrum half is having an absolute mare, and then he gets binned in the second half, and he's coming back on like 55 minutes, put your replacement nine on for yeah. someone. He played and for Lenti, didn't a, he? Yeah. No, I think he came off with like five minutes to go or something. Right, he played, okay. But he played most of the game. Yeah. Just stick your replacement. You've got a replacement scrum off on the bench. Yeah. And no, I don't remember much about Alfredo, Alfredo Lalan. Yeah. But, you know, put him on, give him a go, try him. Yeah. Rugby. Yeah, you know, that ended indeed. up being Lalan's last cap as well. Last cap yeah. for Argentina, the last of his yeah. world caps. Uh, he then signed for London Irish. Oh, fair enough. Him. Well, that brings us to a conclusion, does it not? I believe it does. Okay. And so, we now move on next week to the game we have been dreading since before this podcast started. Yeah. So... Um, excuse me, uh, there is there is a dog currently whinnying oh, outside hello. the door of my uh, where I'm recording this. Uh, whinnying, not weeing. Um, oh, right. But uh, that is pretty much echoing my thoughts towards uh, this next episode. So, do you want to introduce it? It is the semi-final of the 2011 Rugby World Cup. France against Wales, yeah. as refereed by one Monsieur Alain Roland. We will see you there, or maybe we'll do the thing that you're doing on Rugby Union Manager and just not do that episode because we're dreading it that much. I think that's going to happen. I think this is very much the Bristol Bears in the semi-final of the championship. Yeah. Of, but no, obviously this is going to be a, a very heavy episode, so I should, well, we'll, we'll see you there. We, um, yeah, if this Argentina game was anxiety playing depression, the next game is anxiety and depression playing France. Yes, exactly. That's spot on. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to this. I don't know about you. No, I'm not. Okay, okay. am I right in saying, and I suppose we'll get onto this next week, Have neither of us have watched this since it happened live? I think I have, but not since about 2012 at least. You see odd highlights on, you know, World Cup programmes and so on in 2015 and since. Yeah. Otherwise, I've seen nothing of this game. Okay. Since. Oh boy. So. Well, we'll see you next week for Wales versus France. We'll see you then. Good luck. Good night. God bless. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.